Today's Career Cast is a joint effort between the Military Committee and the Career Development Committee. I'm Stephanie Streit, the co-chair of the Military Committee, Major U.S. Air Force. My guest today is Dr. Scott Arman. He's the chief of the Division of Trauma Acute Care Surgery and Critical Care Surgery at Penn State University. Welcome, Dr. Arman. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? Good, thanks. The reason I wanted to have you on today is actually the other hat you wear. Please tell us about your role in the Army Reserves. Well, I've been in the uh, Army Reserve for about 17 years now, just a little over 17 years since uh, September 11, 2001, and um, currently uh, the commander of the 629th Forward Resuscitative Surgical Team and also serve as the uh, consultant to the Surgeon General for the Army Reserve for Trauma and General Surgery. And for those uh, in the audience who may not know what it means to be the consultant to the Surgeon General, can you explain that role? It's basically like being the subject matter expert for those disciplines. The active component in the Army has separated it into trauma and general surgery. And you're basically a policy advisor uh, when it comes to decision making regarding uh, perhaps the uh, utilization or mobilization of surgeons to deal with recruiting and retainment issues and to basically, again, serve as a subject matter expert to to represent your component, mine being the reserve component, for any decisions the Surgeon General may need to make that may affect that population of physicians. So that sounds, uh, from the outside looking in, like it's a really big job. What does that actually mean for you in your day-to-day life? It's... It's challenging at times. Uh, it's it's not a well-defined uh, responsibility, so uh, you you, you kind of have to shape how involved uh, you want to be on a day-to-day basis. Uh, the first thing I tried to do was reach out to try to understand, uh, get a uh, basically a finger on the pulse of, of my of our surgeons uh, in the in the Army Reserve and and what issues are most important to them, and then to basically collate those issues into different buckets, and then attack each problem individually with uh, senior leadership in the Army Reserve. And that, that has, has turned out to be a challenge with, with any big organization. Um, but uh, just like anything else we learn in surgery, uh, persistence and perseverance will, will get the job done. Sure. Um, tell us about the last time that your unit was deployed. Uh, my unit was deployed uh, last uh, in the spring Uh, fall, spring, and summer of uh, 2017 uh, to eastern Afghanistan. And what did that mean for your academic career? It's it's challenging uh, when we deploy. It's it's about a four-month commitment. It's uh, three months. For Army Reserve, each each branch is obviously different, but for the Army Reserve, it's three months usually on on ground and then uh, about a week of in-processing and a week of out-processing. When it's all said and done, it's around four months. Sometimes, depending on the operational tempo, we may be asked to stay longer this past time. I think I stayed an additional two weeks, maybe two to three weeks, um, which, which was com- completely fine. I think that my department has been incredibly supportive with uh, my, my deployments and, and, and my service, and that's made a huge difference. It's definitely hard uh, to balance the, the responsibilities, uh, especially in leadership positions at an academic medical center with uh, your your military obligations, the time and the the uh, time away, and it, it does certainly uh, put some responsibility on your partners. And I, I have uh, incredible partners, uh, incredible, a really trauma family with 
uh, advanced practice professionals and uh, partners that have been very collaborative and willing to step up and help and feel like that that they're helping to contribute to my mission by by covering a, a few of those calls so that's been the, the most exceptional thing that I I didn't really uh, I always worried about and I thought that that would be a big burden on people but people have really uh, made me proud of how they've responded and just uh, uh, I think I've been fortunate to work with some incredible people have a great chair that supported the deployments and it's just like anything else and in surgery, we learn to be incredibly efficient. So when we're deployed, oftentimes we're deployed, deployed into roles uh, um, like uh, a fireman. And we, uh, we may be at a very small uh, outpost where it's not real busy. When it is busy, it's very busy. And when it's not, it's not. I mean, that, that gives you an incredible amount of, of downtime that you can utilize to uh, not only get yourself in uh, a basically improved uh, position of personal fitness and wellness, but also to use that time to be productive academically, work on guidelines, um, uh, work on papers, uh, um, uh, and, and continue research. So I, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's basically uh, been a real uh, benefit, and the department has recognized uh, uh, that and supported it, and, and that's what has made it possible. But it's, it's definitely like everything in surgery, what you put into it is what you get out of it. Sure. What kinds of um, challenges do you think that reserve surgeons face at their home institutions, you know, maybe if they're not so fortunate as you to have such a great trauma family? I think the, the biggest one is, uh, is probably uh, promotion and uh, that consistency of, of academic productivity. It's, uh, it can be a challenge for some people. I've talked to people who it's very hard to continue if your de- deployment tempo is high, uh, which ours is right now. Uh, that, that you have to be able to continue to work on projects and, and see them through to completion. And uh, th- there are ways to, to make, make that easier to be successful. And uh, some of those ways are just developing a research program that uh, basically works and functions like a team. And when you turn anything into a team sport, it's much easier, it's much easier to be successful rather than just individuals uh, kind of gunning in different directions, but working together to the completion of a project and, and working on different roles, uh, collaborating across uh, service lines and, and division department lines that, that we haven't thought about before, um, looking at things like uh, uh, quality projects and clinical research. Um, but uh, it's, it's not impossible to, to do uh, basic science research as well while, while deploying. And there are many people in Army Reserve who do and can continue that uh, to a large degree while they're gone. Now, I think academic promotion is, uh, may be dif- difficult at some places. And uh, I've, I've certainly had people uh, voice their concerns. And there have been some instances where it has delayed time to academic advancement. And that largely has to do with maintaining the uh, academic productivity. Uh, but again, that's that's a, some, somewhat of a personal responsibility to, to try to maintain the, uh, the, the, the same or relatively same pace as your peers. But, but honestly, it, it, realistically, it is probably not going to happen. And there are many institutions and organizations that recognize the, the importance of the work that you do for the military and that uh, consider that into, into your uh, dossier for promotion. And I would certainly think that, that there are many, uh, I, would, I would like to think there are many uh, organizations, institutions who value it as much as Penn State did for me. Yeah, that's something that I've worried about myself. Um, you know, not every, for, for every military surgeon who's been able to maintain 
um, an academic career in the reserves or, or uh, you know, one of our um, embedded units, um, there are probably 10 others who are on a military base and don't have any research support, don't have ac- academic support. Um, what advice you would you have to the reserve surgeon out there who might be listening who, um, who wants to have what you have? I think that the, the easiest way is to, to, to get involved. Um, EAST obviously is a tremendous organization for young surgeons uh, to help uh, advance careers. Uh, it, it helps connect people, and um, EAST is, is a, a place where you can meet people that you can collaborate with very, very easily. Those individuals can jump on uh, guideline development. That's a good way to get started. It keeps you working. And you can do the same thing in the military uh, with the, the uh, Joint Trauma System, uh, CPGs, Clinical Practice Guidelines. You can work on, on those. And these are ways that you can uh, advance both your career and your clinical work uh, at the same time. And it, it, if you don't have the structure at, at your hospital or your facility, to have the research support necessary, these are great opportunities to, to do something uh, productive academically. Uh, that would be my biggest recommendation. I think that's great advice. That was uh, actually one thing that I did during my last deployment was, you know, start updating CPGs. Find something, if, you, if there's something that hasn't been updated in a while, pick it up, start Absolutely. running with it. And that for me personally, you know, a CPG turned into a podcast, turned into a relationship with um, you know, somebody that I, that I greatly respect that I wouldn't otherwise have been able to work with. Um, and it was all just a matter of, Hey, this could be better. Let's work on it. It's a great idea. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a tremendous opportunity. So what do you think the average reserve army reserve surgeon looks like right now? That, it's, that's a good question. I think it's incredibly, incredibly diverse. It, it, it crosses an entire spectrum of individuals. It, it's really... Uh, I think it's part of what makes the military so unique is is that there is no one one person that represents the Army Reserve Surgeon right now. We have surgeons that are uh, volunteering for commissions in residency. Um, th- this past year, we've had uh, um, uh, I think so far two uh, surgeons uh, uh, receive commissions. Um, both are going to be uh, uh, academic surgeons. Uh, one uh, is entering her vascular fellowship, and, and the other is a very uh, uh, motivated uh, um, uh, young surgeon who's done a lot of uh, um, uh, humanitarian work in global surgery. And I, I think that uh, uh, looking at the scope of our, of our Army Reserve surgeons, we have uh, all different ages. We have some who volunteer for service at the twilight of their career. We have a lot that volunteer in mid-career, and some at the beginning of their career. So it's, it's a very heterogeneous population. Um, we have a strong presence of uh, um, uh, women, sur- women surgeons, uh, and I think that uh, uh, we have uh, uh, surgeons of all backgrounds and subspecialties. Uh, it's not just uh, uh, trauma surgeons, it's uh, uh, all different subspecialty general surgeons uh, and all different kinds of facilities, academic, uh, group practice, private practice, uh, hospital-based practice, um, some research, some researchers, basic science researchers, translational researchers. Uh, it's just an incredibly diverse group of, of, of people. And I think what, what we all share uh, in common is the purpose, is a sense of purpose. None of us are doing it for uh, 
any kind of like a fi- financial reward or benefit. <laughs> um, we're doing it because we believe in the mission and we love what we do. And once you deploy and you take care of our warfighters on the battlefield, it's it's unlike anything else that you're, you're ever going to experience in, in, in medicine. Which is why what I tell people it's it's just kind of pure medicine. It, you're not worried about RVUs or billing or mm-hmm. coding or anything. You're just worrying about doing the best you can for somebody who put their life on the line for you and your family and your friends, and that's, that's a remarkable opportunity. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, what advice do you have for someone who is listening to this, not thinking about joining themselves, but maybe they're in a position of hiring or they're in a position of leadership and one of their um, partners or trainees or members might be thinking about this? I, I think this is – I think that – those of us who serve and, and veterans uh, are in a in a special place that I think we're not. Sometimes, especially we look at general generationally, we've talked about veterans being forgotten in the past, and we're all familiar with uh, those who've served uh, during the Vietnam War and what they went through. And now, as we look to the future and we look at changing our culture and, and our society, this is just another opportunity where we need to. I think recognize our differences and, and this isn't meant for everybody but we certainly can work as leaders to sponsor those who would serve and by sponsor I mean actively recruit people who have the passion and the energy and the drive to do this service for our country and to bring them in and to help advance their careers and to help them be successful with uh, academic productivity and uh, get them engaged in in the hospital on committees and meeting people and, and integrated into a health system because it, the, the unique attributes that the military gives people, collaboration, leadership, um, these, these are things that, that benefit any organization that, that we as leaders uh, can ever hope to, to build into our culture. And uh, I, I would think that's our biggest opportunity is, is not just to mentor these people uh, that, that, that have this, uh, this passion and this drive to serve, but to sponsor them and help advance their careers. Because I think that uh, uh, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity, much like we've, we've talked about some of the situations in the past where we haven't sponsored people as well as we ha- have, should have. Um, this is just another opportunity, I think, moving forward. I think you make a, a really excellent point that Unfortunately, too often people look at how a reserve deployment is going to detrimentally affect their group. You know, maybe somebody's got to take more call and somebody's got to pick up the research project that's been going on um, and lose sight of how much of a benefit that military provider is going to be in their group, not just from the advances in trauma care, for example, that the military brings to the civilian world, but also the collaborative, uh, the collaborative nature that is inherent to the military surgeon, the, um, the get the job done, the stick to the perseverance that is inherent to uh, a combat deployed surgeon. So I, I, I couldn't agree more that um, I encourage anyone in a position of leadership to look at how a reserve surgeon will be a benefit to you and your group. Um, the last thing I'll ask you about is, is what's the process like? What what, uh, you know, we've all heard um, when we've talked about a military service that surgeons respond by saying, oh, man, that's my only regret. I really wish I would have done that. What advice do you have to somebody who's, you know, thinking about making that next step uh, and, and going forward with a reserve career? 
I think that there, there are a tremendous amount of opportunities across all three branches. And the interesting uh, thing or most important thing to know is that they're all different. And I think that each individual has different interests and uh, sees different opportunities within the military. So I think it's really important to look at each branch and, and really what the uh, situation of the utilization of military surgeons is at the present time. I think that uh, you know, 17 years ago when I, when I started after September 11th, it was, I, I was finishing training and it was a different landscape. And now we look at the ways each branch has evolved um, there may be benefits for, for instance, trauma critical care surgeons to pursue the Air Force rather than the Army, to be quite honest, because the Air Force recognizes trauma critical care surgeons as a subspecialty, and the, the Army has failed to do that yet. Um, and and there, there are different uh, situations that people may be more comfortable with. For, for instance, some people may be more comfortable in a deployed environment in more of a hospital setting, and some people may really want to be forward and uh, to do austere surgery. And, and there are opportunities with uh, the, the Air Force and the Special Operations Surgical Teams, and there may be in the next few years uh, more and more in the, the uh, Air National Guard. So I think you have to look at each branch and what opportunities uh, they have. With the Army, it's, uh, there are plenty of opportunities for austere uh, surgical experiences, whether it be Golden Hour Offset Surgical Teams or Forward Resuscitative Surgical Teams that are being basically divided up into small groups and deployed. Um, I think that uh, that each individual will have to would have to look at each branch and and what um, interests them most. Now, how do you get that information? Um, most like anything, you can get a ton of information actually just off the internet and researching the recruiting websites. But then, once it comes time to starting the process of actually, hey, how do I get into this? There's a lot of variability. Each branch has medical uh, recruiters, and that's your start. But really, as a consultants, each branch also has a consultant for the, each specialty in the reserve and active component. And we're great resources who can link you with recruiters in your area or um, experienced uh, recruiters who can help facilitate the process because it can be a daunting process for people who aren't, aren't used to uh, the military and the amount of uh, uh, paperwork that needs to be done and the process of, of going through from your uh, physical evaluation all the way through your uh, uh, credentialing and then your commission. Like anything else, there's paperwork. Yes. <laughs> but in the end of the day, it's worth it. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Armand, thank you so much for joining us on the CareerCast, and thank you for your service. Thank you. You too. Have a great day. Well, that's all for part one of our series. Join me next time where my guest will be Joshua Corsa, a private practice trauma surgeon and a member of the Army National Guard. If you'd like to learn more about what you've heard here today, you can find me in the Find a Member page on the East website or on Twitter at SMStripe. See you next time.